Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast. This is episode 44, Could Communism Work? Nick from RBN debated Robbie on the hills rising about communism. Do we actually have a true communist country? And could communism work? And I see we already have people lined up in the queue here. So let's go ahead and bring in Ashura. You are on the mic. Uh, hi, Sabi. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Uh, to answer a question, I don't think it. I don't think you, you will ever get communism in, in the United States because uh, you got both sides, uh, Dems and Republicans. They both bastardize the words socialism and communism. So for that to happen, they will need to look themselves in the fucking mirror. And then do a complete 50-state apologies tour and re-education. Say, capitalism is bad. And it's not working for you. It's not, work- it's not working for you. It's working for people like them, like a Don Lemon or uh, someone like a Tucker Carlson. So it's not working for you. It's working for basically the 1%. Those are good points, Ashura. Let's say, let's say hypothetically, let's say... Um, there was a country, maybe not necessarily the United States, but they actually were able to create a communist government. Do you think that that model could actually work? Well, there there are already common communist countries. I'm pretty sure uh, China is one. Not really. And, and uh, I think Russia. I think Russia maybe is not communist. Then plus, I think you have other communist countries after that. No. No. Um. See, this is the thing. This is why I wanted to have this wait, conversation. Wait, 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 because... Cuba? I think they said Cuba's communist. No. Technically, according to the definition, we actually do not have and have never had a true communist country. No, I'm talking about other countries. You said the example, what if another country for us to, for I, you guys to adopt the, the system. So I said, but I gave you examples of other countries that I thought were, would be communist countries. Right. They're, they're not, they're not actually communists. Okay. But let's pretend, let's pretend that the United States was a communist country. Do you think that model could actually work? Well, yeah, it could work. But like I said, they need to look themselves in the mirror and realize that they're the ones who've been fucking up people's brains and not really educating them, not showing them exactly what the root of the problem is, because the root of the problem is basically themselves. The 1%. They're not going to tell you that. They're going to lie to your face and say that it's the person next to you that's like your neighbor, your Republican, or your your Democrat neighbor, or your Republican neighbor. Like, they're the ones that's the problem. They're not the problem. Like, these people are just getting, are, are being fooled, basically jerked off by both sides. They don't care. As long as they stay in power, they do not care. They don't want you coming together. Like It's like Jimmy Dore said, like, the, the one thing that scares them the most is having the left and the right come together on common goals. Because that got, that scares them. Yes, that scares the shit out of them. It's like when, when you had the trucker protest happening, you had Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore was saying, like, I wish shit like that would happen. I wish people would just shut down the country. Just shut it all down. Like, basically, find the weak spot in the country and shut it down. Exploit it. Like, like uh, you said before, it's like you got those... The trucks, you got the the people that like the the places where you got like the goods coming in. Shut it all down. Shut it, anywhere you could get goods coming in. Shut them down. 
and see how much you people are going to bitch about that. Maybe you need to exploit that that weakness because the truckers did it. I mean, maybe you didn't like well, the reason they were doing it. They could have been doing it for more reasons than that. But they effectively got uh, Justin Trudeau to basically bend the knee. Those are good points. Those are those are good points. I'm going to break down uh, communism and socialism for people really quickly. Uh, Communism. Here's the definition of communism. Communism. Excuse me. Uh, Under communism, there is no such thing as private property. All property is communally owned and each person receives a portion based on what they need. A strong central government, the state controls all aspects of economic production and provides citizens with their basic necessities, including food, housing, medical care, and education. By contrast, under socialism, individuals can still own property. But industrial production or the chief means of generating wealth is communally owned and managed by a democratically elected government. So those are the difference between the two. Well, what about the worker co-ops? Or I've been hear- hearing you or Roger Meadows talking about how the workers should own the means of production and own a piece of the company. Yeah, and the thing the thing about uh, worker co-ops, like, yeah, I think we should head towards that direction. And I said, I think that's more fruitful than unionizing, right? But that's, but technically... No, it's not what reference- I mean, what is that? Is that communism or is that um, uh, socialism? Because I remember you put that clip with uh, Richard Wolff. He said the word the, the, the word communism can, comes from the word community. It's the community coming yep. together. Well, can't you have a community of workers basically coming together to basically own the means of production? And basically, they're the ones telling the, the guy, if you're not raising my wages, I, I, I think I have more value than you basically sitting in the office because I'm the one doing all the work. Yeah, I mean, like, worker co-ops, I think, is more aligned with socialism. Because, and and we can all, like, you know, talk about this on here, but um, because just looking at the definition, it says, like, under socialism, individuals can still own property. So I think that's more aligned with, with socialism, whereas with communism, there's no private property at all. Everything. Yep. All, all so property can, is communally owned. So can both sides work with each other? Is the, Can there be a symbiotic relationship, even if the one side looks like he, therefore, capitalism in a, a little bit by saying you can own property? You mean like could uh, communism and socialism work together? Yeah, but because with the socialism, the way you explained to me the socialism part, like say that we're not against you owning property or capital. I don't know if it could work together because still technically, this is a good question, Ashur. I mean, technically, just looking at the definitions, communism, the government controls, the strong central government, the state, they control all aspects of economic production. Whereas under socialism, you can still own property. So I don't know if they could technically, as a government, I'm I'm not sure if technically they could work together. Okay, because my question about that is, if you can own property, does that mean that uh, in order to basically be left alone about owning property, you have to be taxed heavily for that if you're a rich person? Well, you're you're supposed to be. 
<laughs> but they're not. But they're not. Because it's it's uh it's basically the government's run by rich people. I mean That's right. How, how do you feel about it when you look at other countries where basically you see teachers, you see workers, like in other countries like countries that they say that they are poor, but they're fucking being exploited. And you see they got they got like working people working in Congress. And over here in like these rich uh, capitalist countries, and it's basically a bunch of fucking billionaires. And if, even if you have a couple of people that were the little guy, they they get, they, they basically get slapped around. They got that basically pimp slap that tell them, "Hey, go go out there, and make me some money, and then come back and give me your dues." Some of the so some of those countries that are are very uh, poor per se, um, and the workers are being heavily exploited. A lot of times it's American companies that are exploiting them. For example, companies like Nike. That's a perfect example, right? They have sweatshops in these countries and they're paying people like, what, a dollar a week or something like that? I saw a whole documentary on this. Or also companies like, and I, I hate to call you out, Riri, but Rihanna, her oh, company, yeah. uh, Fenty, that's another one. They they're, they also have been caught for having these sweatshops as well. So it's like when you look at the labor that takes place in some of those countries where people are paid these poverty uh, type wages, a lot of times these are American companies that are exploiting like those workers. But I would say like sometimes their economic situation is because of the U.S. government. But just because uh, they the country itself, people call it a poor country. A lot of times those countries aren't poor. Those countries are actually rich in resources. But the United States government has stolen their resources. And that's why they're left with nothing. And I would say the same thing for countries in Africa. Africa, you know, was rich a long time ago. Like Africa was incredibly rich and they still have a lot of resources, you know? I believe Africa is still rich. It just can't. They don't know how to basically um, um, excavate the wealth. I mean, didn't they find like $12 trillion of gold? Like, Jimmy joked about it, said they're going to give him some democracy soon enough when they don't want to share that $12 trillion of gold. Like, forget which country found $12 trillion of gold, but they're going to go in there at one point. Uh, and, to, well, to, and finally well, say, that the, you gave the example of countries that are communist, but I'm pretty sure, is it like China using sweatshops too? Yes. I mean, a, a lot of them, a lot of those countries use like sweatshops. And and let's be real, if it wasn't for things like the labor movement that we had in this country, there were a, at one point in time, there were uh, children, little children here in the United States that were also working these, these some of these conditions like that, too. Now, they put labor laws and stuff like that in place because people fought for it. But, you know, our hands aren't clean either. And I would also add too, like when you talk about a country, excuse me, a continent like Africa, you have to remember Africa, yeah, they're still like rich in resources now, but Africa was robbed. Africa had a lot more wealth than it does today. They were robbed by basically people who were colonialists and and took things from them. And then so now you have like the United States government uh doing the same thing, still taking the resources from them. So I think we have to look at the fact that how like wealth has been extract extracted from these these countries in the world by our government. Okay, I hope uh, every member of RBN like gets to go on the rising, unless uh, 
Robbie's not too pissed because he wasn't that suave when Nick bodied him, <laughs> flattened him like a pancake. <laughs> I went, I went and um, I, 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 I went um, and looked at the comments because the moment I, I saw the stream yesterday, I commented it. For some reason, I think they deleted the comments. Like my comment was gone. Your your comment was gone. Yeah, uh, the the immediately when you had that they had that stream. Uh, Nick and CJ were on. They were talking about it, and they said like, "Quickly, CJ was saying like, go 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 on that video right now. I'm gonna read your comments. Go on the video, and I basically posted the comment. 24 hours, it was gone. Like the only person I saw that status comment there that I could recognize was Ad Kid. Interesting. Yeah, but they deleted my they deleted my comment. But Nick was getting a lot of praise in the comments. I couldn't tell if they were guys these people were Republicans, or that basically like what Nick was saying, or were they people like sprinkled around from RBN, your show, or Jimmy's, or even HLM. I don't know. I, I will tell you this from experience, though. Sometimes YouTube deletes comments on its own. Because there have been times when people have had, they said, hey, my comment's gone. And they're thinking, I deleted it. That's not me. I actually don't have time to go through. <laughs> I don't have time to do that. I really don't. So, But I've noticed that sometimes YouTube will remove comments. And so what could have happened, if all of you guys went over to comment at the same time, YouTube might have seen that as spam. And if if the bots detect that, oh, all these people commenting at the same time, oh, where's all this coming from? The bots may have thought it was spam, and that could have caused some of the comments to be removed. But I thought the bots, they work like if you repeat the same shit over and over and over and over again. But how could there's people repeat the same, the same thing if you don't know them individually? There's multiple ways the bots work. I only know this because I took a class on this for my job last year. There's multiple ways that those bots work. Sometimes it's yes, if it's the same comment. Sometimes if, if you get those comments, a whole bunch of them come in at the same time, it may also think that that's spam. Okay. Yeah. I'll hang up now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for calling in, Ashura. We're going to bring in Karthik. What's up, Savvy? Um, so I just want to, Hello. I just want to say I, I've never because I watch Hill some the Hill sometimes, and I've never seen uh, Robbie come angry most time. He's like super calm no matter what. He's like, uh, Amazon it's exploiting its workers. Oh well, they're an amazing company. So it was hilarious to see him like so angry. I never saw that before. Um, but speaking about communism, um, are are you a communist? I honestly, like, I tell people, again, like, I'm not big on all these labels, uh, but when yeah, people me ask either. me, yeah, like, when people ask me to define, I was like, well, technically, based on what we believe, like, over at RBN, technically, we would be defined as, like, Marxist, technically, but again, like I said, I don't, I'm not big on these labels, because a lot of times, these labels change, I mean, remember when democratic socialism was supposed to be uh, people were using that and saying that they were socialists and they were democratic socialists and it's the same oh, yeah. thing as socialism and technically it's not. Yeah. I remember like a lot of people just said that because they like Bernie Sanders and AOC because like it um, became popular. Yeah. I, I remember some people at TYT did that. They started calling themselves uh, democratic socialists which I thought was funny. Yeah, I know. Like it's, I, I don't know. And I don't even think some people actually understood what democratic socialism was to be honest with you. Like, I think they just like, oh, well, this is what 
Bernie Sanders and AOC call themselves, and I like them, so I'm a democratic socialist too, not even realizing what that means. Um, and, and some people would argue too, and this is why I don't like the label so much, some people would even argue that Bernie Sanders technically isn't even a democratic socialist himself. He's a social democrat? Right. Okay, and then I've that. and then I've heard people say, you know, like Michael Parenti said that Bernie Sanders is technically a centrist at best. So it's okay. just like, they change all the time. So what's the difference between communism and uh, Marxism? Well, technically, communism comes from a theory under Karl Marx. So it comes from the same uh, person. So if if you talk about like the origins of communism, that comes from him as well. Um, actually, here's a here's here's a, a quote here under the Communist Manifesto. Marx and Engel called for a working class revolt against capitalism. Their motto: "Workers of the world unite." Become a rallying cry among disgruntled working class across Europe. Okay. Um... And so you said earlier, like, there hasn't been any, commu- like, a truly communist country, like, because I think you mentioned Cuba and maybe Soviet Union. And so is that because, like, in those countries, um, there was private property? Is that what you meant? Right. There's no, there's never been, and and I wish mainstream media would stop spreading this lie to people. There is no true communist country in the world. We've never had one. Now, there are there are some elements of like socialism, but technically under communism, there's no such thing as private property at all. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure because I haven't really read any um, communist theory and stuff like that. Um, So, wait, I'm definitely not communist because I love having a car and driving around. Um, But (laughs) I'm going to say next. Uh. I'm gonna put the link to this so, in the chat so people can read it too. So, like to me, like, and I'm I I know I'm gonna sound like a capitalist here, unfortunately, but do you think that communist sounds like a bit too uh, uh, idealistic? I don't know. I mean, what defined idealistic? Like, it kind I mean, of sounds like too good to be true, almost. Like, kind of like too much of a utopia. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it depends on what you want, right? So, like, for me, I'm fine with just having the basic things that I need. I don't like having a lot of things. I don't like having a lot of possessions. I don't like having, I don't like a lot of stuff. I just don't. That's me. So, like, I'm fine with the basic things that I need. But I think the problem that we have with, particularly in this country, is a lot of people are not like, you know, people are always chasing after the dollar. Uh, My dad used to call it trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh, who has the better car, who has the bigger house. Like that is very much a part of American culture. And so I think that that's where the problem comes in. And that's why some people in this country are afraid of communism because they're like, oh, I don't want uh, someone to have the same as me. Like I want to have the better house. I want to have the better car. I want to, and like, for what? Or what? Because this is the question I always ask. Like, when you die, it's just possessions. It's not like you can take it with you. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I definitely would say that we're too much materialistic and um, uh, too much into, like, too, too much, like, we have too much consumerism uh, in us as Americans. Um, 
Well, thanks for talking to me. I'm sure Snarf, I'm guessing, may dis- uh, disagree with me on private property. But thanks. <laughs> All righty. Thanks so much for calling in, Karthik. Snarf, uh, you're next. You're on the mic. So, like, I, there's a there's a correction that needs to take place, right? In 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 actual in Marxist theory, what the idea is, socialism is the means by which you achieve communism. Communism is in in the in the actual literature and in the in the orthodox sense, there is no government. It's the disillusion of everything, meaning that people manage themselves. So. There is no government that in theory is communist because communism has never been achieved, right? What you have are socialist experiments that have have varying degrees of success and varying degrees of atrocity. What, What ultimately the problem is, is that the people that we now call Marxists or call themselves Marxists are kind of a hybrid of two ideologies that don't make any sense that when they're put together one is american hippie culture with this idea of of like participation awards and treating everybody fair and being kind and nice and then soviet style bolshevism right where people tend to quote lenin but don't understand that lenin is about the the total control of power where no one else can actually make a decision except for the vanguard party and that's the means by which people achieve socialism and then communism. What what I think the problem is, is that we have a lot of people who would say that they're a Marxist and don't really follow through with the rest of the ideology and just say that nominally because it sounds good. Also, it sounds good because we live in a society where basically our parties suck. So what, what's the reason to even uh, like figure out anything else? We just go with whatever isn't those two parties. Well said, Schnarf. Well said. But I'm saying, but 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 it's unfair. You know what it is. I mean, you called yourself a Marxist, but you couldn't tell us. Like, you, like, could you tell us what the difference is in 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 this perspective between personal property and private property? Because everyone is, you know, like the last caller, Kartik, is talking about his car, right? He's talking about his toothbrush. He he he's basically assuming that he has private property and private property isn't the same thing as personal property. Right. Right. Well, and do we actually own, because like technically, I mean, like my car is paid off. That's personal property. But I would say, but I would say also technically if we're still paying taxes on it, is it really our personal property? It isn't. But what the idea is, what the idea is, is the thing is, are the things that you can commodify and sell like your your home and, and you can hoard and you can then earn income on in, in that way is what the definition of private property is. So getting rid of private property is essentially saying that you have a home. But you can't go out there and buy a, get a, additional pieces of land and then rent it out to people. You see what I'm saying? Like the idea of rent is 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 what's really being addressed here. The idea of extracting wealth from people by having other people take take things that you quote unquote own and then they give you money for is what's really being attacked. Mm. 
So do you think which, do isn't, you which think, isn't the right way to look at that? And Richard Wolf isn't going to sit here and talk about that because he talks about democracy at work. If you really right. wanted to know what this stuff is, you're going to have to like you're going to have to pull out your your you know a lot of books and shit, and you're going to have to look at it. I mean, look, there's a big difference with the way people thought in the '60s and '70s, right? People read. People right now they don't have the attention span to sit down and open Capital because if you do, you're going to probably close it in about 30 seconds and say, "What the hell is this?" Right. These kinds of things don't speak to people. So what people do is they grab quotes, they grab little pieces, they listen to Richard Wolf's video, and then all of a sudden they're a Marxist. But here's the thing, like, are you really like mentally understanding the condition of where you live and what you what you believe in? And I don't think most people do that. Again, most people bring up this hippie bullshit and, and then quote Lenin. But there's no real talk about money at all. Actually, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm dying to find somebody else who actually is is focused on that. And it doesn't seem like they exist. What do you mean? Talking about money? Talking about actual money. Because most Marx, most quote-unquote Marxists tend to talk about things that really are more of, of, of a superficial nature. The, some of the discussions I've heard, they, they don't really touch on the things that really matter. It, what it is is a distraction, and we get in tr we get caught up in that way too much. We talk about money all the time on RBN. As you should. But then you should yeah, also so know you should. But but then again, I'm 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 curious as to why you wouldn't why you wouldn't know the difference between the idea of socialism and then the final product of communism, right? Maybe maybe what it is is just sounds a lot cooler than to actually figure out what the point of it is. And I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying like most people don't take the time to actually think through with what they ideologically identify with. Well, actually, what I did say is that. I'm not big on labels. I also said that. And I also read the definition of communism and the definition of socialism. But, but that's the, but the definition doesn't the definition of Webster's dictionary has nothing to do with what in theory the idea is. You you achieve socialism by by giving people the means of production and through that process you eventually end up in communism. That's the idea. Right. But any orthodox Marxist would have said that. But most people are just going to say, I'm a Marxist. You know why? Because that's kind of like the, the label I'm going to pick and that's going to fit us and that's going to be our edge. Most people that, that talk, they're selling the conversation. They're commodifying themselves as a as a as a person to be bought and sold for for viewers. That's all it is. And I'm not I'm not faulting you for that because that's just the time we live in. No, um, I've never sold myself as that way. I've never sold myself as that way. When I when I started my show, I started my show coming out of the Bernie Sanders movement. So I got all of us came from that. I've heard Nick, that, that. I've heard Nick definitely do that. I've heard Nick quote Lenin nonstop, but it doesn't. I'm not. Again, I'm not. I'm not Nick Schnarf. I'm Sabrina. I got you. <laughs> okay. I'm just so I mean, it's like I'm. I can't tell you. You know, I can only talk, speak to what I do. And I mean, yeah, Nick, I mean, Nick's really, Nick does talk about theory a lot more. Um, we all have different like areas that we focus on. And Nick is also really good when it comes to foreign policy. Most people that watch me can tell you that I usually focus on class and money. That's good. My big thing. Because Patrice, Patrice from BLM, she went on the Real News Network and she said she was a trained Marxist. 
See what I'm saying? There's a grift here, too. And I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying, like, you know, once in a while, someone's got to push back to to make sure that, you know, people are authentic. And that's all I was doing. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. So I think... Patrice, Patrice Collins from, from BLM? Yeah, I don't know who that is. There's a lot of you people don't know who from that BLM. Is. Okay, no, no problem. Don't worry about it. Yeah, there's a lot of people from BLM. And if, if it's one of the people that's always been like the people that are on like mainstream media and things like that, like we tried to focus on the people who were the act, the grassroots activists on the ground, not the people who were getting publicity. Okay, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, Mitchell, you're the next caller. You're on the mic. unmuted. Yeah, I can hear yeah. you. Okay, okay, some corrections. Uh, no island or no no place is truly communist. Uh, they didn't use the term communism. They used the term sharing. Much of the Pacific Islanders were uh, a system of sharing. They had no personal property at all. Uh, in fact, even into the twentieth uh, uh, century, uh, there was the 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 if you walked up to somebody, you could ask for anything, if your shirt, anything. Uh, one of the problems in hiring people from the islands still is the the um, getting used to switching over from sharing to being in a, a world system that needs money uh, is that the if you try to pay them, that somebody else can ask for their, their money. And uh, even as far as I think 2015, I encountered that there were still problems with that. And I volunteered to help them with, with uh, uh, getting some water and some resources. And to um, so these island groups are all having major problems. They practice communism for many, many years, not just decades, uh, centuries. Uh, so what happened is, as nobody can own anything, nobody builds any wealth at all. And uh, when it comes time to um, somebody comes in to conquer, they're wide open. And that's um, the Dutch, the British, all those just went right through all the island groups and all the atoll groups. And just uh, wherever there was an atoll, birds would go and they'd be able to get guano and other other stuff for it. They devastated the, all these countries out there by taking whatever resources they could. And then after the resources were gone, they let them go back to their own nationalities again. And like uh, one island called Bonaba was actually the, kicked all the natives off so they could just reap the, the top 50 feet of the island off and and turn it all into laundry soap, uh, ammunition, and things like that. And uh, so there are many examples of it. Nobody wants to talk about about that. Maybe they don't know about it, but I I personally believe that any any one system is going to fail. If we go capitalism only, we're going to go toward basically towards. The point when somebody becomes a monarch and just becomes a dictator. If we go total communism, we're going to go the route of the people that have absolutely nothing and are, you know, a bunch of raiding villages that end up just eating the, their neighbors. And uh, even as far as the movie Rapa Nui talks about some of the systems that happened in in the Pacific Islands, 
And at one time, there was there were a seafaring race that was capable of going from Australia all the way to South America, way before even Columbus uh, went to South America. And it's not recognized uh, the, the advances of what they had. The, their understanding of sea waves was absolutely brilliant. And the only example of it is sitting in an art museum in New York City. Because uh, nobody recognized the brilliance of, you know, Newtonian or Einsteinian level of thought into figuring out how to tell by how waves move where where countries are, where continents are, where islands are. And um, so most of our systems, we start thinking about once we do this, everything will be perfect. This is what happens even, even in the Soviet Union. Once they do this, this will be perfect. We'll be on the system. And they don't forget or they forget the frailties of the human condition. Uh, the Soviet Union uh, was rife with sub-economies that would pop up, black markets. So anytime you try uh, communism, if the whole country isn't in on it, or basically in, in the, the Pacific Islands, if you weren't in on the sharing system, you died. <laughs> so in the Communist, Communist Party, yeah, they, they treated people badly for, for actions that would happen. But um, if we don't have a balanced system, and the balanced system that came out is probably the best, was by Benjamin Franklin. And his original goal for the United States was things that we can't tie to people would be personally owned, or things that can be tied to someone, we can personally own it. That gives us the incentive to grow. And things that were like caring for others, having a fire department, that he wanted to be um, stuff for all of the people. He wanted to be owned by all the people. So like your fire department, your roads, everything like that, property of the people, not property of the person. Um, am I too confusing? No, I totally get it. Um, so you don't think that it could work? No. No, I'm, 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 I'm certain that we went to communism within three generations. We'd all be cannibals. In fact, the best place to learn about the system of the of the Pacific Islands is the book "The uh, Sex Lives of Cannibals" by uh, Martin Troost. And I think until you've read Martin Troost, you don't even need to read Mark or Marx or any of the others because if you haven't read Troost and his uh, description of what's happening, what happened in the islands, you cannot understand the underpinnings of a true communist country. But I wouldn't say that they that they failed because of communism. I would say they failed because of colonizers. I would say they failed because say, yeah, but they weren't ready for anything. Uh, the the islands themselves, when they totally ran out of 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 anything, they would just go attack each other, and they were long distance apart. Even that but happens today, I, though, I under do, capitalism. I, yes, it does. But I'm saying that our our thought is don't be looking for one, look for a balanced system. We need, we need, we need, like Franklin said, we need to be thinking of the people. We need to be thinking of the individual. We can't think of only the people and the individual having no rights. We can't think of, of only the people and the community having no rights. We need a constant balanced system. And everything we do lately with all of our politicians is we try to break the balance. But we don't have a balanced system. We don't. We should. 
And I, uh, what I'm saying is wrong with our system is we're not doing what Franklin wanted. We are not making our country be a balanced system. So we have to be able to say, as the founding founders wanted us to do, was think, okay, we're not perfect. What can we take from other countries, learn, and incorporate into our own? You know, what happens in the Scandinavian countries in their education system, in their healthcare systems and everything? We should be adopting those policies. That is caring for the people. That's the people side. That's the side that Franklin thought that if we don't have a people side, that the, a country will not go on. But the founding fathers were only talking about certain types of people. Our, our founding fathers were racist and, and colonizers. They weren't talking about black people. They weren't talking about Latino people. They weren't even talking about women. They were talking about white men. Actually, so some I, of I them don't were. Know if, some of I, them I were. Know. No, I don't so know if we should be. If she, no, no, I don't know if we should be looking towards our founding fathers because really, like they, they have they pillaged the native people who were here. They pillaged pillaged the people, the communities of color. They treated black people like they were animals. I don't think we should be looking forward to our our founding fathers. Well, again, there was there were founding fathers that were against slavery. They still practiced it. Uh, the ones in the North didn't. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. People need to stop telling that lie. There were slaves up here, too. There were. In fact, part of my family were slaves when they came here. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that there weren't. But uh, and we had a lot of people up even until the 1800s that were brought in for immigrant labor and basically killed instead of paid. Uh, you know, so we have we have a lot of things that realistically we need to look at and and understand and um until we actually get out and look at these things we're not going to know what's happening well I, I would say that we have looked at it i'd say we've been looking at it for years like when people say we need to address the issues the issues have been addressed the problem is the system hasn't changed that's the problem i haven't seen capitalism really help the majority of people in this country i've seen capitalism exploit the majority of the people in this country and very few it works for very few people and the rest of us are just struggling to get by yeah and and more and more struggling so oh well i'll let the next caller go all righty all right, so we're going to move on to uh, Iggy. You're on the mic. Hi, thanks. Um, yeah, w with regard to a lot of what Mitchell was just saying, I get where he's coming from, and I actually have a great deal of sympathy for what he's saying. Um, one quick point, but this is not really what I want to say, is I don't think that it's entirely, it's, it's not um, right to argue something along the lines of, hey, I'm not going to listen to the Founding Fathers because all of them were racist, right? Because the problem where you get when you say that is that you reject or you move into a frame of mind where you say, if there was a topic that was put out by somebody whose general philosophy or historical stance or the way that they were represented in history uh, is unagreeable to me, I will use that as a reason to reject this particular aspect of an idea, if that means that that gives you the ability to reject the ideas, some of the ideas that Mitchell was highlighting as stemming from the founding fathers saying that there is a blend between individual rights and a nation or citizenry's rights, that's got very little to do with whether at the time of the founding fathers there was a culture of 
white uh, preference, colonization, whatever, because those two things are ultimately largely divorced as political ideas. And it sounds too simple to just discount on the basis of what you think the founding fathers were or what history writes them up as. I'll be careful about using that as a debating technique because it doesn't get you very far. So the things that I wanted to say about communism, though, are actually a bit well, let me bit. comment on that point really quick. First and, and foremost, um, I was the one who brought the idea up. Uh, I was responding to it. And I will go forward to say, again, they were not talking about people like me. Even when you look at the Declaration of Independence, where it says all men are created equal, they were not talking about black men. They were not talking yes. about black women. They were talking about white okay. men. And you're missing the point. Because, no, because you're missing the point. No, wait. I am not me, going to look forward let, to people who could, who because, sat up there and oppressed my people. But, 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 I am not going to take any advice from those people. They were not talking about okay. people like wait me. A wait a second. What Mitchell was referring to was not the entire philosophy and the entire status and adopting that of the former of the of the founding fathers and the culture at the time. What he was pointing out was a specific aspect of the recognition between individual rights and collective or or citizenry rights. Right? You can you can take that concept and deal with it and adopt it or adapt it, irrespective of the prevalent culture of the founding fathers. And just like you can take communism and consider whether communism might work irrespective of the fact that in communist China, millions of people, I mean, tens or hundreds of millions of people were rampantly murdered by their communist state. And the same in the, the former Soviet Union, right? Otherwise, you'd be rejecting communism on the basis that the Soviet Union wasn't, was racist. And so was, so was China, China. wouldn't you? China you and the Soviet, China is not a communist country. Well, it was we, under Mao. It was the closest not, thing it's ever been under no, the Soviet No, 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 no. We have Mao. never had. We have never had a truly communist country. Yeah. Okay. Right. So this. So let me just get into the main, the things that I actually want to say. Right. Because because there's an issue of the, the, you know, that goes. It goes down that road. I agree that no no country has ever been an extreme of any political or um, economic model. Like you don't live in a 100% free market capitalist society and neither do I because they don't exist, right? Because you always end up with a stop where you basically say there's a problem that the system cannot deal with in its purest form. And the obvious question is, why has every previous attempt to move towards communism failed, right? What, and, and you have to ask what those failure points are in order to work out whether it could be manifestly, it could be manifested successfully in the future. And so when I lived in Romania post-collapse, so post-revolution, um, post one of the obvious major problems was, was essentially the nature of humanity gave rise to an inability for the system to accommodate essentially individual difference. And what is undeniable is that there are aspects of humanity which are different. Like you don't like to have loads of stuff. Some people do. Right. Now, you're not wrong and neither are they. It's a question of 
why and how how you can balance and accommodate those differences okay and not everybody should have everything and not everybody should be able to just buy and consume everything what's the point you to an uh, to your point kind of what's the point in that being hyper materialistic right but equally why would you want to deny everyone the ability to basically select and choose their own stuff because under communism fundamental to the tenet is the idea that the means of production um, are, are essentially socially owned, right? And that you remove social class and money because the system allocates goods to each citizen. So imagine, you know, you turn up every week for your weekly ration, right? Of, of products, whether that's food or clothing or consumer items. And you've also got a ration of housing, right? Now, inside that system, what happens if the state allocates you a house you absolutely hate, in a place you absolutely hate, a living amongst people you absolutely hate? Suddenly, because you are not the one making the allocation decision, you can't move, right? You can't move unless there's a mechanism inside that state that allows you to sort of essentially exercise an individuality and negotiate your way out of the allocation that's been given to you by the state. That is a very difficult problem, right? Potentially, but well, I, I will interject. I'll, I'll interject here and say, in reference to people not being able to move, people can't move right now under capitalism because they can't afford to. Yeah, but look, my point is that if you continuously take one point and say, "Well, you can't do that under this system either," you're not really debating whether cap whether communism can work, right? It doesn't get us anywhere because you end up in a stalemate where you're saying we well, you can't do that anyway, right? You, you're right. I, I totally agree with you. I believe that the, the, the asset assetification or the commodification of things like housing are a major problem of the financialization of our systems of living. Right. But they are not necessarily um, unfixable. Right. They are fixable. OK. Um, but they give rise to the exact problem you're saying. If housing prices go up, Right. To, to, that they are tens, you know, they're multiple times what my income is and therefore housing becomes unaffordable. And then rents get frigged as well, don't they? Because basically, if you're if you can if you can buy a flat or an apartment, all you do is you set the rent to be equivalent to whatever the current mortgage is on the current value of the property, which means that anyone who's renting is actually paying the current rate of mortgage. And the only difference between that renter and the guy who owns it is that the guy who owns it could have afforded the down payment, right? And the one who's renting can never save the down payment because they're fucking renting and paying at the current rate of mortgage rates, right? So, yeah, but those problems are fixable, right, In inside the systems that we live in if we make um, different financial um, adjustments to the system and, and, and we could do that, right? But... Um, but I think the problem is the system is not a the the problem is the government that we have and the oligarchs who are in charge are not allowing us to make those fixes to that system. That's the problem. Okay. okay. So the the question for, if you if you move that question into communism, right? And you say, well, how would that be ameliorated in communism? As as um I think Schnaff said. If you go to the extreme of the ideology of communism, although I don't have a deep understanding of this, communism is about sort of the extreme of the ideology is self-governance, right? 
Now, I don't really understand how that concept really allies to the fact that everybody owns everything, right? And then they individually can self-govern because that's I, I don't have enough knowledge to understand how that could work, right? So what has happened in the past is that under existing communist philosophies or countries, you always had what what was described as either a vanguard party or essentially a people's party, right? That party is deciding policy, which ultimately decides allocation, and it ultimately decides who gets who gets to use what, right? Now the quite the, the problem there is that whether it's that whether that's happening under communism or whether that's happening under some other system, it's all of them are rife for corruption, right? And corruption takes many different forms. You can you can mathematically engineer advantage in any system, and that can end up looking like corruption. Now in Romania. Um, when I lived there, um, you still had a black market, right? So even though it had turned into a sort of a pseudo 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 capitalistic semi free market setup, right, and it was very poor, people were. It was obvious to me that people were still operating on a favour barter system, and it was tied to social status as well, right? Now that so that didn't that didn't just disappear once communism disappeared, and it still exists inside inside capitalistic systems right because um you know there's a saying isn't there it's not what you know it's who you know and if you have a network every everyone needs to know a plumber everyone needs to know a guy who who can fix cars you know the more mates you have in with different skill sets you become a mutually beneficial group right that happens in every system but if you if you it doesn't go away under communism because one of the things that falls down in communism is you end up in a situation where people go, fuck me, I want a different watch. I want the watch he's got because he got allocated that. Or I want I want to get in touch with a guy who goes out of the country and can get something that I really want from elsewhere. And then we trade and do all this other stuff, which kind of corrupts the idea of what communism is actually trying to achieve. And And this gets me back to my point about the differentiation of human beings, right? Not everybody wants the same shit in the same way, uh, in the same amounts, and they don't want to spend the time in exactly the same way. And, the, and one of the things I would suggest is that the ideas of communism might sound attractive, but like any system, the implementation of it is fraught because you have to, have, you have to ask the question, who is the people making the resource allocation decisions? They're human beings. And what are the flaws inherent in all human beings? They're uneven-handed, okay? They're, they're open to emotion. They don't really think rationally. They're open to corruption. They, they, and power, basically, is, is a means to its, to, uh, in itself, right? The people who want power should never deserve to really wield it, which is why you should never really trust anybody who's trying to strive to get into a position of power, but somebody has to do that job. Now, inside communism as well, some of the major problems were that you didn't have this ability for differentiation, competition, innovation, okay, and individualized decision making, which basically can manifest in a, a, a more capitalistic or free environment, whatever that looks like, because it can still happen to socialism. And what I'd give you an example of is, if if I have an idea, I'd say like, let's say I want to make a product uh, that doesn't exist, or I want to improve one or a service, right? In communism, I'd have to go through a process, probably, of convincing the allocators to essentially allocate me enough pure resource to bring that about. Okay. Now, 
arguably that is the same mechanism in capitalism as running around trying to drum up capital for my idea, right? But if I cannot protect that idea because um, it's never going to be mine, right? Because it's always going to be owned by everybody else and I will never get the reward. If you cannot give me significant reward for the effort I put into coming up with the idea, running around, getting it all sorted out, and then making it, where's the incentive for me to do it, right? That's a major problem. And if you don't have money and you're only getting the same resource allocation of housing, goods, services, what the fuck is the point in me spending any time trying to make life better for everyone if I can't sort of get recognized somehow for that work. Why do you need to be recognized? See, I think this is the problem that we have with, with our society and our, and our culture. Why do we need to have that type of, of self-fulfillment? Why can't we be fulfilled with the basic necessities that we need in life? Why do we have to get some type of recognition? Why do we have to, you see, you talked about like the danger of people making these decisions and you not being able to make the, or someone else making those decisions and you not being able to make the decision uh, for yourself. But I see what we have under capitalism. And I'd like to point to the example of 08, where we have the banks making the decisions for the people, where we have JP Morgan, we have Wells Fargo, we have groups like BlackRock and Vanguard making these decisions about our lives and about what we can have for ourselves. So we don't have as much free reign as we think that we do. This is why a lot of people who are in uh, poverty situations stay stuck in poverty and don't get out of it. It is incredibly difficult to get out because under a capitalist system that we have, particularly in this country, the people at the bottom are always exploited. That is part of the definition of capitalism. There is always someone at the top and the people at the top are greedy and they take for themselves and they exploit the people at the bottom. So my question is this, why do you need to have some type of recognition in order for you to do the right thing? Okay, because it, okay, so hang on, there's, there's two actual issues there. I'll come back to the, I've got a question that comes from what you say, but in answer to directly answer yours, okay, it's, what was it? your question was why do i need to have recognition to do the right thing quote unquote right well d- well first of all you have to define what the hell the right thing is because if you're what your rebuttal was was saying to me that <clears throat> you why do, why do people need so much shit right and why do they need x version of shit right okay so what what level of stuff uh, and 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 things do people actually have to have then who defines the minimum standard for you for uh, uh, whether you get a TV or a stereo or a phone and therefore what the minimum standard is of that? And in fact, it won't be a minimum standard. It will be a standard. Right. Everybody will have a standard watch. Everybody will have a standard hi-fi, whatever. What's the right? deal with the watch, Iggy? What's the deal with the watch? I don't think a lot of people thinking about no watches. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because it's an example of a product. Right. That the state would end up controlling and allocating. It doesn't matter whether it's a watch or a tomato or a kettle. Okay, I'm saying that under communism, all of these decisions and all of these things that that people have in their lives and recognize as things that they actually have practical use for will be allocated to them. And essentially, communism would argue that you probably end up with very few versions of these things. Right. Because it's around an optimization of allocation. Well, most people don't do very well living in that environment, right? 
because it stifles an aspect of humanity, which is that they want some choice. And as you say, if in the, if, if if BlackRock's buying everything up, technically, you know what the thing that the example you just gave under under extremes of uh, the situation in the UK or the US, you're right. Poor people have less and less choice. Why do they have less choice? Well, basically, money is time and, and choice, right, and options. And if you don't have very much money, all your time goes to securing a minimum amount of money to get a the, the, to get a standard of living, right? That's a very big failing of, the, of, of our of our way of living. So, I would say that to to directly answer your question, you have to ask yourself what is the right thing under that under communism, right? You would you'd have to be collectively defining this notion of what people should be doing with their time, okay, for what reason. Now, if you have a communist system that is making um, allocation decisions to meet your minimum standard of living, you have to ask the question why anyone would be incentivized to do anything that raised everyone's minimum standard of living, right? Now, what if that had to always fall to a committee decision, right? So somebody goes, okay, every year on the 1st of January, the committee meets and it says, are we reviewing the standard of living and all of the allocations that people get? And, 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 and how do we decide whether to change anything up or down? Okay, that's, that would be potentially a committee decision. So in there, for example, you could have this idea that actually, you know what? Um, state-sponsored research has shown that we can improve heating systems, so we will implement that improvement in heating systems and everyone gets it, okay? And then everybody gets allocated that same heating system over the period of time. Well, compare the, that, that rate of progress and that style of progress to something that's much more free, where some guy just goes, you know what, I came up with an idea for solar panels and I made it work. And, I, and, and, and if you want, you can buy these solar panels. Not everybody bought them. Some people did, some people didn't. Over time, it was proven that those solar panels were shit and that, and, and that they didn't work really. So fortunately, not everyone in society was committed down a pathway of buying shit technology that didn't work. Under communism and allocation, potentially everyone gets everything right at the same standard and then basically has to suffer the same benefits or the same flaws in that thing. That's quite a that's quite a fragile setup, right? Just as one example. Now, when it comes to this well, concept, I think, of... and, and and I'm sorry, I do have to move on to other callers, but yeah, yeah, I, I think you're looking at this from what does what is the benefit for the individual? It, it sounds like that's that's how you're looking at this, and and what I would challenge people to do is not necessarily think about how something's going to benefit you personally or you individually, but how it's going to help benefit people in the community. Okay. And I think that's the mindset I want people to Wait, to go towards. I'll just I'll sign off, but double deep. But the but the one question for you is this: you if you fail to recognize people as individuals. You will never live in a system that works. And that is one of the major failings of communism. And you, so, so in a way, you've just answered your own question. If you cannot deal with that point, you've already walked into one of the major traps of communism. And I'm not for or against it. I'm talking about theoreticals and practical examples in the world. If, if you think that everyone is the same and they don't have room for individuality, you will watch your own communist system burn over time. 
Yeah. Okay. Iggy, I think we're looking at this two different ways. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring in the next caller, which is Brandy. I honestly haven't owned a watch since I was in the fifth grade. Go ahead, uh, Brandy. Hi, Sabby. Now, to kind of link back to the last two, one of the things that I have read in Marx is that the individual owns their the rights to their work, the rights to their labor. That's personal. Your personal property, the difference between personal property versus private property is your personal property is like your clothing, your shoes, the things that you need, your toothbrush, your shampoo. The private property is more like land, places where there could be multiple people in existence. So another thing that they touched that the two previous callers touched on was Pacific Islanders. Well, in my area, we have probably the second largest group of Marshallese here. And the culture with Pacific Islanders was not killed off by cannibalism. It was killed off by imperialism. And a big part of that was U.S. imperialism. The reason why Marshall Islands used to be like Puerto Rico is. They do have their own sovereignty now, but the problem is a lot of their island is sinking from the damage from us bombing them. Um, So they're coming here for work because there's no work there. They're coming here for work. They're being taken advantage of by a lot of these, uh, I would say, poultry plants in our area that hire them and they do the same thing with people from Puerto Rico as they bring in people from Puerto Rico offering them a job and money and stuff on the mainland and then they wind up oftentimes not living in the best conditions and their culture is different so they have to learn a different way of living in America. That doesn't make them bad. They're very good people. They're very hardworking people. I used to work with several of them. So the idea that communism killed off the Pacific Islanders, talk to people from Filipino, from the Philippines, from Marshall Islands, from many Pacific Islands that we have here in our area. And that ain't the truth. Um, We don't currently have 100% communist nations and none of them ever really have been. Do I think it could work? Yeah. And I don't think it is as bad as what people portray it to be because you can choose what goods and uh, jobs to trade for. You do have choice because it is supposed to be a stateless society. So you're living off your own free will, but at the same time, you're getting to help others. And if you live in the mindset uh, you're not going to do something that would better somebody else's life unless you get a million dollar house and a Ferrari off of it. What's the point in doing it? How are you happy with yourself? That just does not make sense to me whatsoever. Um, to not want a better society, people have different interests. Some people would prefer to work in medical. I work in healthcare. 
I don't do my job for the money. I do my job and it's a very highly stressful job to help people. And we can make a current communist system what we want it to be. We can pick out the good things, throw away the bad things, and build up our own society. We just got enough got to get enough people behind that idea that we can work together to create a better society for everyone. Very interesting. Um, I think, you know, we all like have like different opinions about this. And, and I, I think what I'm, thank you for pointing out that point about uh, the people on the, the islands where it was actually imperialism, not cannibalism. I, I think that's important to mention why people are in the, a lot of the positions that they're in now because of uh, some of these acts that were done by the United States government abroad and why they're in such a need for actually to leave those countries and look for something else. Um, it, you know, the way the term communism has been thrown around, especially recently in mainstream media, mm-hmm. Hearing people say that Joe Biden is communist, I'm like, Joe Biden is barely a Democrat. Like, it just, it's really interesting to me. And that's my fear is that people are going to think that anybody who is not technically on the right per se, these people are now communists. So these words are being thrown around. And it kind of just reminds me of some of the things I read about the McCarthy era. Um, yeah. And that's, that's scary for me. Yeah. And I live in Arkansas. And I call myself communist in the South. I'm not scared of it at all. Um, I kind of am on the same line of thinking as Rome, of take it back and show it in your actions what it is instead of, because people do, we read more off other people's actions. And if you see it, what somebody's doing and their actions, I mean, we sit here and watch the Democrats say that they're good and then they screw us all. Mm -hmm. We can tell by their actions who they are. Take that word back and own it and don't let people correct them when they're calling it out and saying something wrong. Correct them about it. Educate them about it. That's like with Nick. I went on the hills rising and looked through a lot of the comments last night and there was a lot of them where I've seen several of them where people were like you know he kind of changed my mind on this yeah I mean like this is why it's important to have these yeah this is why it's important to have these conversations um because I don't know what happened I think she dropped off this app is buggy um it's important to have these conversations because some people are afraid to like talk about this. I was shocked when like Rising said they wanted to have that discussion uh, with Nick. I was like, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, if people don't hear the other perspective, you know, then you're just, you're basically stuck in a silo. And so many people I feel have been turned off by communism that really haven't heard anything about it except for these framing points that you hear from mainstream media, which is so-and-so is a communist or Venezuela's communist, Cuba's communist. Oh God, we can't have them come here. It's dangerous. You know what they will do to us. And so people don't look further into it. So they don't even really know that there's other aspects to this. So I, I'm glad that they, they chose to have that discussion. 
uh, with Nick. Scotty, you are the next caller. Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, by the way, uh, if you don't remember, I, I think you do remember uh, Patrice Colors. Uh, she's the one who got caught buying the mansion uh, with the BLM, uh, BLM funds. Like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's, that's her. That's her. Gotcha. Because <laughs> I think I remember you reported on uh, on that once, but yeah, that's Patrice. But yeah, that, uh, but yeah, she's gone from that organization now. Uh, after that happened, but I was wondering, um, something happened within the past couple of days. Uh, I think you guys probably might want to do a, a story on that. Um, can I talk about it uh, for a few minutes? It won't be long. Sure, go ahead. Okay, um, I don't know if you know, Tiffany Cross, uh, there was a segment on MSNBC, and they were talking about um, uh, Stacey Abrams uh, losing to Brian Kemp now, like she's close to, in the area of maybe losing by double digits at this point, and now their tactic is to put the blame on black men for her potential loss. And so <laughs> there, uh, this woman, she had on uh, uh, Roland Martin a and a couple other uh, black men. And the whole, the whole segment was basically to say, well, black men don't feel particularly uh, uh, validated. Uh, they feel like their issues don't, aren't getting talked about. And this woman, and she actually admits this, but then proceeds to say things like, well, listen, um, I understand that you get that, but I'm talking to the Kevin Samuels, Tariq Nasheed, uh, listening people, uh, listening uh, men, and like, why would you, uh, why would you go over to the oppressor? Why don't you, uh, look at the black women in your community and get in line. Literally, she said the words, get in line. And, and basically saying you need to vote for the Democrat. And, and uh, the unfortunate part is, is that the only people that are, because she mentioned Tariq Nasheed and Kevin Samuels, this got the black manosphere uh, all riled up and I don't really particularly rock with the black manosphere. Like a lot of it is just, you know, it's too much of a grift to deal with, like to even talk about. But yeah, like I don't know if you've seen the uh, the segment, but yeah. So, Stacey Abrams is losing because of her. It's her fault. It's not black men' fault. It's not anyone else's fault. Stacey Abrams is has has become more and more she's moved further and further to the right from what i've seen uh she came out and spoke out against defunding the police and said that she wanted to fund the police last year i believe or actually that was earlier this year she came out and said she wanted to fund the police uh she has done something similar to what nina turner has done which is moving further let me move further and further to the center and and cater to the moderate crowd so that i can win 
And we keep telling people this backfired. This is backfired every time. It, it backfired with uh, Nina Turner twice in a row. And it's backfired also with Stacey Abrams. So I think that Stacey Abrams thought that because she helped get non-voters registered to come out and give that support for Joe Biden in 2020 in Georgia, I think she kind of felt that basically the black community in Georgia basically owes her their vote. Like, look, I, I, I turned Georgia blue or helped turn Georgia blue. You guys come out and support me. I'm going to run for governor again. And I told people back then the strongest chance that Stacey Abrams had to win was the last time that she ran against, um, against, uh, uh, the current governor in Georgia. That was, that was actually the chance that she had to win that the race was a very close at that point this time around Stacey Abrams, everybody knows she's a millionaire now. She wasn't before. So she's a millionaire now and she expect to get that same amount of support. So I guess she figured like, well, they're definitely going to come out and support me because they came out and supported, you know, Joe Biden. And I think she's not understanding. And I hope that people are paying attention to this. Cause I said this before, Georgia will not vote blue again. That, that won't happen again in 2024. That happened because you did have people. I will give her credit for the fact that she did get mobilized a lot of people that were non-voters and got them registered to vote and said, we got to get Trump out. Right. But look at what's happening now. You see, like with the gubernatorial race, are the majority of people supporting Stacey Abrams, the Democrat candidate? No, they're supporting the Republican candidate. So maybe it's something about Stacey Abrams that people don't like and not necessarily you know, black men not supporting black women. It, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like what is Stacey Abrams running on besides being a Democrat? Uh, Yeah, but I think what it is is like people already peeped out as being a part of the establishment. Like um, you're seeing her like getting, uh, getting a lot of this press. Um, I remember like she's been, made into somewhat of a celebrity uh mm-hmm. like her, you know like she i remember she was on the uh that show the shop but lebron james like they had that segment with her and uh whoopi goldberg and the uh, in the Saint Minaj. um she mm-hmm. and then she like that moment where she basically got embarrassed by the biden campaign when she thought that she was going to get the VP pick. And then, like, he basically slowly told her in no uncertain terms that she's not getting it. Like, you remember that on Lawrence O'Donnell? I do. Yeah. I do. And and I think, like, it's like I said, like, and even Roland Martin uh, mentioned this, that, you know, black men uh, have been moving away from the Democratic Party slowly but surely since Obama. He even said like he even mm-hmm. broke it down from voting gaps. He said like it used to be uh we were within four points uh with uh with black women like they still unfortunately too much of us still support the Democratic Party but mm-hmm. it was it's been a thirteen uh point gap from two thousand eight to now to uh, the Democrats voting, uh, the 
black men voting for Democratic Party candidates. And in the way they behaved, uh, even with Ice Cube uh, in 2020, like they tried to make Ice Cube look like a fool just for even suggesting that you actually, <laughs> you actually try to get something for your vote. And don't get me wrong, I think if Ice Cube was serious uh, during that whole thing, he would have came out during the Democratic Party primary. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, even the fact that he did it, like, okay, that's fine. But it's the way that they reacted. And I think that there's a backlash uh, going against, like, people like Stacey Abrams because of this. And if they're not careful, then <laughs> they'll, lose, they'll lose whatever support they have from, uh, you know, large segments of the black community, not just like uh, them, but even Hispanics. Like, I'm guessing they're hoping that they'll replace like part of the Hispanic community with the black community, even though that there's large segments of that community that vote for the Republican Party. I'm not yep. sure. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, the numbers have been decreasing every year. Every year, more and more African Americans are leaving the Democratic Party. And you're right. It goes all the way back since Obama. So it was just, it, that's why I told people a while back, I said, black people aren't joining the Democratic Party. Black people are leaving the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party can't win without the African-American vote. But yeah, you're right. I think they are assuming that they can win over the Latino vote, right? But like you said, there's a certain segment of that population that votes Republican. So I don't know, but like, it's just, it's, Again, nothing fundamentally has fundamentally changed <laughs> and really improved for the black community, regardless who we put in president in, in office, even under a black president. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, be out. But what I will say is um, you might want to start in tune time uh, time limits on the show. I mean, don't worry, okay. I get myself <laughs> carried away. I, yeah, I get myself carried away on calling, too. But yeah. yeah, have a good night. Thanks so much, Scotty. Yeah, I might have to start doing that, you guys. Uh, Jewel, you are next on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hello? Hello, I can hear you. Hi, sorry, the app is just a little laggy for me. I just wanted to thank you for hearing us all out. I can imagine how straining it is to hear what everyone has to say. Oh, no worries. Um, I mean, it's just, I never get to actually hear you guys like voice on YouTube. Like on YouTube, Rockfin, obviously I see you guys in the chat, but I can't hear. <laughs> you can't, it's like you're talking, but I can't hear you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're definitely, you know, it's, I like to look like I find communism to be, it can be as simple or as complicated as you make it. But we're definitely doing like the first step by talking about it in the first place. Like Reaganomics completely killed the whatever discussion existed. So we're definitely, even if we're getting it wrong, we're still having that important conversation. So I appreciate everyone for doing that. But I guess I just, I don't know. There's a lot to say. I come from a lot of camps that kind of, some of them talk down on Marxism or say it's just like, it's like what the one woman said that action speaks more than theory. So they, they frequently make like the thing where it's like, 
linen jackets, like who cares? Like, let's go to the future kind of thing. But I think I wanted to talk about what like Iggy was saying. Um, Cause he was saying like crises and stuff. I was looking at my book, one book I would really recommend. Cause to be honest, I don't think I've read communist manifesto. I might've skimmed it. But one book I like is Marx's Ghost, Midnight Conversations on Changing the World by Charles Derber. Um, this is pretty good um, creative way of talking about Marxism. And I think the most important thing we can do is apply it. Like Marxism is to me about change. Like we, this is a great time to be a communist. You know, we have MAGA communism, whatever that may be, but the, even people that are libertarian, they, ha they have to admit to themselves that something's wrong, things need to change. And as a communist, that's such a win. We, we, have, we have the podium on that. So I think we can acknowledge that capitalism breeds crises. So I took a couple notes. That breeds crises. So communism acknowledges that. Um, hope I'm not ranting too much. And then one thing I also wanted to say about this individualism versus community, they're not separate, you know. Um, what we allow for the community leaves space for the individual to thrive. I think that's a lot of it's cultural. If we can get past this, we're so brainwashed to be individualists that I don't, I think it's really hard for us to look at what's best for community. I hope you can hear me. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think like, I don't know if, if anyone in the chat, you know, has ever been on a team, you know, let me know, like in the, in the comment, the chat part or whatever. But um, one of the things I, I like to point back to, and I know it's not exactly the same as communism, but I played sports. And one of the things that I would say about being on a team and it doesn't have to be a sports team. It can be like a debate team. I was on a debate team too, or whatever kind of team or whatever. But one of the things that when we, when we were playing a game and we were at practice, it wasn't about what was best for one person. It was about what was best for the team. And there were times where we had to do things that some of us didn't want to do, but we knew we had to do it because it was best for the team. So I think for some of us that may come from like sports, like we were taught like from the beginning that you have to work together as a team and you have mm -hmm. to do what works best for the team. And then and individually, you have to work out and be good for yourself. But then you also learn how to have to know how to do your plays or you're not going to help the team. That's if you're not a fast right. runner, you, what good are you? But if you can be a fast runner and know your plays, you got to be able to do both. For right. And also, too, there were times when you were put into positions that you may not have felt like you were meant for. When I played basketball uh, in middle school, originally I was a guard. And then one day the coach was like, you would actually be better as a forward. So I was like, I'm not a forward, I'm a guard. Sabrina, we're moving you to forward. Was I happy with that decision? No. But at the end of the day, when you look back on it, yes, it was actually better for me to be in that position, even though I wanted to be in the guard position. So I think the way it was explained is that 
this is what is going to work best for the team. And my coach was right. That's what worked best for the team. So I think I see some people in the in the chat saying that they played sports too. But yeah, it's like those of you that play sports, you know how it is. Sometimes you you didn't get as much play time as other people. Sometimes you did. There were some times when it wasn't your turn and you needed to sit on the bench because they didn't feel it was the right time for you. So at the end of the day, I think one thing that sports did teach me was that it's not always about what's best for you. Sometimes it's about what's best for the entire group. And mm -hmm. I, I do, I, I will thank sports for that. Now, I know everyone's not an athlete, but I will say that that is something that sports like taught me at a very, a very young age, I would say. Yeah. And with that, like another thing that people were talking about, I was listening to is like, when an American says they're a Marxist, it really doesn't mean much. Again, actions speak louder, but like it's a global, like it's funny people talk about globalization as a capitalist thing, but globalization can be a communist thing too. You know, we're not, you know, we're, the, we're in the belly of the beast as Lee Camp likes to say, right? So what we do can have a lot of leverage in the world, but if we're not uplifting everyone else in the world, we're, we're just full of ourselves. At best, we'd be a socialist. So I, I, I think there's a lot of contradictions here. And it doesn't mean that communism is not worth pursuing. It's just, it's human nature to contradict itself. And I think Marx knew that. You know, and that he, he had a lot of theories that still hold up. I think there's a billion Marx that has existed. But he was privileged enough to write it down for us to read it. So we and we find use out of it. And as long as we find use out of it, it's worth talking about. I don't think he had all the answers. If anyone had any of the answers, we would have been done. Capitalism would be over, but we're mm. all still here having mm. talking. And I'm really proud. I'm really proud of us talk. I think we're, I think us being able to sit down and talk about it. Like, I don't think people would have been talking about it like they do. Like I'm looking at the book now they bring up Lady Gaga. And it's like Lady Gaga, just like we were more, there's like people are more obsessed with Lady Gaga 10 years ago than politics. But for as small of a group as we are, I think we're growing and I see optimism there. Mm. Well, thank you so, up. thank you so much for that, Jewel. Yeah, read the book, Marx's Ghost, Charles Derber. It's a good intro if you haven't read the manifesto. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, and we are now... Uh, bringing in Elijah. Yep. Hey. Hi, Elijah. Yeah, finished my essay with time to spare, so I'm glad I'm able to participate in the call-in. I think <laughs> one of the interesting things that's come up in terms of some of the debates, because I'm seeing in the chat people are talking about issues with going back to the root of could communism work how would communism work and what are the challenges that this and i feel that some of those things have started with general sort of misconceptions and so i think the first misconception is that people are equating individualism and having individual freedoms rights opinions with having a cap not necessarily a capitalist system but believing that that disappears under communism and i'd say that a perfect example of how that could be farther from the truth is just looking at 
you actually see that for the majority of human history before you see civilizations expand early humans did live in egalitarian societies where people had roles and there was community and you didn't have necessarily the same sort of challenges in terms of hierarchical structure now moving beyond just hierarchy and how those things could work in a communist society it's interesting to look at how we see the roles of voting democracy and coming to ideas and so i think there's a great tweet from black socialists in america talking about the differences between traditional representative democracy consensus and consent in terms of how decisions can be made but if we're going to talk about decision making processes it does play into a role what type of process would be best to achieve things so if we were working under a system where you had worker co-ops and there was consensus versus a democracy it would mean that people would have to come to a decision that everyone agreed on and so with any type of decision, if there's a compromise, not everyone is going to be happy with the solution. But if you're coming to ideas that you can all generally agree are accepted, it's not necessarily sacrificing individualism. That's a good point, um, Elijah. Uh, I don't know if, did you cut out Elijah? Oh, I'm not sure if I cut out. Sorry. I okay, think the... you're okay. You're still there. I wasn't sure. Um, that's a good point. You know, you reminded me of of something like Shama Sawant said. I'm not sure if everybody saw that interview, but um, a couple months ago I interviewed Shama Sawant and I was asking her about if she would ever consider running for uh, Congress and challenging uh, Pramila Jayapal from the left but running as a third party or independent candidate, right? And she told me that she would have to talk to Socialist Alternative, her organization about that, because she did not make the decision to run for city councilor of Seattle. She said it was a group decision. We don't pick the person that wants to be in that spot. The group picks the person that they feel is going to be the best person to get the job done. And she went on to say that she did not want to be a politician. She didn't want to do it, but she did it because they said you, they, the group collective decision said you are the best person to do it. And I think she's been doing a, a phenomenal job ever since she's gotten into the, in there. But I, that's an example to point to Uh perfect example. Shama Sawant, she didn't want that role. Exactly. But the organization said, no, you're the best person for it. So we're, you're the one we're putting forward. Exactly. And I think that's also, even when we are thinking about how we would structure work under a communist society, it also goes into basically taking a step back and reanalyzing how we do education, how we prioritize housing, how we actually create these systems. And so when people talk about, let's say, the Soviet Union as an example of communism failing, one thing that can be very telling, or at least can be a lesson that we can learn, is that hyper-centralized governments, thick hierarchies, are always going to have a power imbalance. And so if you're structuring a society where 
there is a clear power imbalance, you're never going to be able to necessarily beat that sort of oligarchy challenge that you have under a capitalist society. However, in terms of actually getting into those processes and building those systems, the perfect way of trying to figure out the best strategies of doing this would be actually starting councils of people within their respective fields and even bringing that into education. So if someone's looking at healthcare or solar energy as an idea of something that they would want to work in, it's then looking at having the experts in the field training people and then having free education where you can have people actually learning the skills that they need instead of the modern system of education, which is based off of the factory line. So when we're talking about bringing these societies forwards, I think a lot of it starts from an infrastructural level. And at this point, I think even in the process of getting to those points and even getting to building that change, we're still in the process of building the infrastructure among communities at this point. Thank you so much for that, Elijah. Uh, all good points. I want to bring in the next caller, which is Will. And I, I will add here, um, I just thought about something in reference to jobs and roles as well. I'm thinking about all the people that I know that went to college and majored in a degree that they were not able to find a job in after they graduated. A lot of my friends that I know like that. And so they took a job that they could get that would pay the bills. And I think about all the people that I know that are not happy with the jobs that they have. They hate their job, but they have it because it pays the bills. Imagine if everybody could actually use their skill set to be able to use it. Because I, I just feel like, and I, I've told people this before too, this is a whole other topic, but I told people this before too, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about college anymore. I really don't. All these people going to college for these undergraduate degrees, taking out all this money and getting like mounds of student loan debt, and then you're not even getting a job in the field that you studied because by the time you graduate from college, that field is is obsolete or it's oversaturated. And I've seen a lot of people go through that. A lot of people are just not happy with the jobs that they have. Uh, Will, you are on the mic. And Davis is going to be the last caller, you guys. So we have Will, then Socialist, Deanna, and then Davis. Go ahead, Will. How are you doing, Sam? Doing good. Doing good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, I've called a few times before. Uh... I'm over, I was thinking about it like the whole time everybody talking and I was going back and forth in my head and I was just like I don't think I don't think communism can work in America I think that we too propagandize we too uh we we got too many uh how to say uh what they call uh like people smoke and people drink like people got too many uh too many things that they do that's that's on an individual level that's not uh conducive with uh with caring about themselves or anybody else to be honest. So I don't think that it, I don't think that it can work. And our 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 leaders are too corrupt. Like it would have to be like somehow we would have to restructure all leadership and stuff like that and 
it's too it's too much uh celebrity worship and stuff like that in our society for that to kind of work. Like it would have to be some type of cataclysm or something like that where people's brains get wiped or something for this to work. <laughs> Uh, and I wanted to touch on uh, one of the callers he, he was talking about uh, Stacey Abrams and he was basically saying that uh, they was uh, saying that black men not uh, willing to vote for and stuff like that uh, I don't know if you paying attention to like social life and how the world is like turning right now but I see a lot of I see a lot of black men, and I'm gonna be honest, cause I'm like I don't really even be on social media like that. Like right now, I'm on a four-hour trip from from Virginia to Philadelphia. Like I'm at work all the time, but I do pay attention to podcasts and stuff like that. That's one thing I do listen to. But I'm like I'm hearing a lot of people complaining about this uh the duopoly of 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 female and uh, male relationships within the uh, country and stuff like that. And it's going into like politics and how women vote and how people cater to certain groups and they splitting the male and the female group into groups that you're not no longer just a people. Like you can't say black people, you gotta say black women and black men. You can't say black people, you're not really a people anymore. And I'm noticing it and I'm like when it comes to certain things like trying to get certain things done, it will never work because now people got they certain people got they special they special treatments. And when you gotta think about privileges, like even if you say white privilege, like it's people white people know they got privilege. I got white friends and I asked them like would you ever wanna be black? And they be like, No. And but they call <laughs> white people, but they but I asked them and they like, No, I wouldn't. Cause like y'all get treated horrible. I'm gonna be honest. Like they be honest when they when they talking to their friend that they can actually be honest with. And sometimes I'd ask them like, yo, if they brought back slavery, you gonna get slaves? He'd be like, they be like, yeah. <laughs> but they be like all girls though. They it's just fun. It'd be funny because we friends, but yo, if we 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 too we too uh we too uh mentally captured by the system to. To, to, to go into capitalism and stuff like that because we all broken and segmented up. So it, uh, it it can't really work when we fighting against each other. And we notice and we know we're we, we know we're fighting against each other. Like it's like and we don't care. We don't care. Mm-hmm. Like it's too it's too much of like I hear about uh like men ain't this and men ain't that. And people not paying attention that is the economy stupid. Like, what did the guy say? It's the economy. Like, the once the economy shifts, and you start to, mm-hmm. and you you take you take uh the leadership role away from from men. Now you le- you leaving women to be like, what do we do if men can't be leaders because they don't have no they don't really serve a purpose in our life no, no more. So therefore, it throws off the 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 the, the our 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 freaking biology almost because now they gotta try to uh go for they they always go women always go for resources but at the same time now they they can't it's no longer throughout all of all of 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 men they gotta go to the, the men the, the only the 20 percent of people they have
basically went basically went uh families and stuff like that. So therefore when we go to the polls and we kind of set up uh looking at policies that would better help families, they don't necessarily care about that if you can have another person saying, Oh, I got stuff that helps your emotions and it, it'll protect your emotions or whatever the case may be. They're like, I want my emotions to protect it. I don't care about family. Oh. And, Oh, well, I'm sorry. I think your voice got muffled a little bit. You hear me? You, you, you don't hear me? I can hear you, but your voice got really low. Oh, I'm sorry. That's probably because I got super close to the phone. I don't know. I'm still. Yeah, low. but I I can hear you now. Okay. But, I, like, all right, I'm about to just wrap this up, but I just see too, too many segments within the population with no more people. Like, the businesses took on peoplehood and then people took on these different segments with those people. They not necessarily associate themselves with being even human or people because it's like they don't see neighbors no more. If you put up any if you talk to anybody about economics or whatever the case may be, they're always going to be selfish because they don't care about they don't care about people. But our society set up this such such and stuff to where though people only they, we become businesses. And we almost like, yo, I can't care about nobody because I got to try to do for myself. But if you don't care about your neighbors and your neighbors want to break in your house at one point, then you're like, you got to actually, it's, it's, you got to, you got to see, it's a, I don't want to talk street, but I'm from the head. You got to squeeze it, your homies, because if you don't squeeze your homies, it might backdoor you. So therefore, if you won't, and that's, they might kill you. They might they might do some sneaky underhanded stuff because they see you rising up and you not doing that for them, but you claim that that's your friend or that's your community, but you not doing nothing for them. You kind of pushing them out. Once you start pushing people out, it's like where do they go? They're going to wind up picking up and they're going to wind up coming in. They're going to look like the bad guys. When they mm. start, they just trying to survive, but. Back to, to the beginning, capitalism is going to work. We see mentally tested. I don't believe I'm mentally tested. I just observe everything that's going on. I can, I, I can see myself working in a system of socialism. I don't think uh, communism. I don't, I don't think communism is a socialism where so you can own them, you can own, you can still have rights and private property and stuff like that. I just think that we need an insurance party where though the government ensures that you can have a place to live at least. And that's the, that's the most you can do for people. Assure that they have a place to live. Assure that prices and stuff like that is, is regulated. It's just well-regulated uh, economy. Like everything has to be well-regulated. Like that's the only way I see that anything be working can work for everybody. But prices, if, if a company, if, if, if you live in a state and rent is a certain amount, then those businesses gotta pay got to pay at least 50% over rent. So therefore, your, mm. your, your, your amount of your wage so far as that month, you should, your job should pay you 50% over rent because it, that, 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 that at least have you where you go, you can pay some rent and you got money to pay bills and your, your, your utilities and utilities should be set to. And those things will come up to be like, say, Say if you can't forty percent of your days on on just these utilities and stuff like that. Now you got some type of you got something to, to do stuff with. That's where you can you can spend money and 
products and stuff like that because they want us to be uh, so materialistic or whatever the case may be, then you can buy the cars and the houses and you can do other things. But I just think it needs to be checked on all of that. If you got a company and you, and you have, uh, a subsidized uh, small company, do not subsidize no company that make over uh, a certain amount of billions of dollars. If they make a certain amount of money, you look at their books and you see where they can they can they can make an adjustment and you help them make adjustments to to, to, to keep that company up. So I can say you need to you can give education to companies and help them restructure their companies and pay for that, but don't give them money to blow and just and then do it again as soon as they wind up messing up like the bank. We need bank education. We need to send some of the bankers back to school or something like that. I, that's the only way I see you giving them money to, to, to bail them out, not to give them money just to stand them back up so they can collapse again. But anyway, I'm off. Good, good points. Good points, Will. Um, you know, this is a really interesting discussion. Uh, I know some people may have just joined. I just want to remind everybody, Davis is going to be the last uh, caller here. But thank you so much for that, Will. Um, I'm going to bring in Socialist. You are on the mic. Just have to unmute. I think the app sometimes has a, a little bit of a lag time. Yeah, I think I can try to make him, invite him as a speaker. Might have been a, I'm not sure. A socialist, I invited you as a speaker. Um, but while I wait for that, I'm going to go ahead and move on to Deanna. You are the next caller, so you just have to unmute. Hi, Sabby. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad you've been so patient with us tonight, so I'm going to be quick. Um, I call myself a socio-capitalist. In my dream world, the necessities are free. Food, shelter, wellness care, education for everyone. The government takes care of things like firefighting and roads and bridges and infrastructure, getting clean water to everybody, electricity, which will be an incentive for free electric uh, for all. And that's pretty much the government's purpose and to kind of oversee the things that are for the good of all. And then beyond that, if a person invents a way to, I don't know, just have energy that costs nothing like Tesla. Tesla created something that would power half the planet at, in one moment uh, or consistently over time, then that person can is free to make as much money on that as possible or as much as they want. But again, it's for the common good. So it is something that serves the common good. I think if Jeff Bezos, for example, had a cleaner heart, in my opinion, with all of the, the masses, uh, the riches he amassed during COVID, he literally could have given $150,000 to each of his employees just and never missed it. That was just out of his pure profit. So for me, that shows me who he is, 
but in in a perfect world he would have done that and that would have literally changed lives people could pay off their mortgage people could literally change their lives with $150,000 so that's what i have to say about communism i think i think there's a way there's a path to do those things i think we all can come together realize our value as as the people who actually run the economy and the world and decide that we will withhold what we have which is the engine that runs everything our work and our labor i think capitalist com- companies should be co-ops all of them should be partnerships owned they are now the ones that are on the stock market they basically they're owned by a collective but you know it's not the collective of the people who actually work there most of the time i mean some at the top the you know the the higher paid executives or whatever so that's what i have to say about that and then i wanted to weigh in a little bit on the stacy abrams race here in georgia where i live one of her um uh, canvassers came to my house the other day while i was outside and we had a really long talk and i i said to her i'm an independent and i i typically don't vote democratic i'm going to vote for warnock because i like what he's done since he's been there but stacy i'm kind of on the fence and she asked me why and you know i told her that brian kemp is bribing us right now he's putting checks in the mail every chance he gets tax rebates another 350 just because you exist as a georgian just i mean he's literally bribing us and Stacy has no economic message that she's giving Georgians right now. It's all about abortion, which you know half of the community at best really really care about and even then it's just people who are childbearing or have a child who's childbearing or whatever. And you know, it's just there's nothing economic coming from her. and that's that's a problem i think i think that is her problem they're only 5 points apart though i heard someone earlier say it was like double digits it's really close and it changes and it varies um warnock is ahead of uh, hershel walker thank god um but i don't know i i i think she can win but she really has to shift because they are the commercials that they're running here are absolutely devastating Mm, well said. Um do you think that Stacy Abrams I'm trying to think back to before. First of all, I I did not know Brian Kemp was like giving people money. So this this was a is <laughs> passing out checks. He's got a new little initiative with a, a a debit card that people are complaining about it because it doesn't work everywhere. It will upload to the Apple wallet, but it won't you can't just spend it like freely and you can't turn it into cash. So people are mad at him for not giving it right <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> But we've gotten a tax rebate, uh the teachers got a big raise, the all the government workers got another little bonus and I mean it's it's just been crazy. What? Girl, yeah. He's he's buying both right and left. <laughs> and it's wow. working. I'm an independent. I'm going to vote where my interests lie. my interests are economic right now they just really are and so you're adding money to my baseline and and my family being fed i'm looking at you more seriously than i'm looking at her and in 2018 he was the secretary of state so he was literally responsible for counting the votes and that was her whole 
uh, grievance about the whole thing because no one even challenged his vote counting. And there were some wild uh, discrepancies going on. So she could win. I mean, there are enough people who could really vote her in if they come out in numbers and she really gets every constituency behind her that she needs. But he's bribing. <laughs> and she's got to go wow. with economics. She has to start talking about what she's going to do. So I suggested to her canvasser, you know, she can maybe pilot a UBI thing on a statewide level and she could start talking about that. I gave her a bunch of ideas. She was like, do you want to volunteer? I was like, eh, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, I'd love to see her win just because of, you know, the the milestone it, it would be here. But, um, boy, it's, it's going to be challenged challenging unless she comes with a really strong economic message yeah and i imagine she doesn't have one because she was actually at that bilderberg meeting too Mm-hmm. 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 indeed but thank you thank you for your time thanks for being so wonderfully patient with us and having these important conversations thank you so much for calling in deanna my pleasure talk to you soon All right, guys, Davis is coming in. Davis is going to be the last caller for the night. And Davis, you just have to hit the unmute button. And you'll be on the mic. Hello? Greetings, how are you? I'm good, sorry, it kicked me out uh, for a second there when I hit unmute. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. This app is buggy tonight. Hmm. Yeah, I, I clicked, uh, I touched on mute and it just like exited the chat for me. I don't know why. So I had to come back right quick. Um, but thanks for listening. I mean, thanks for having me, Sabi. It's finally, it's it's finally nice to talk to you. I've been a huge fan of you and, and all the other RBN people. You guys are doing an amazing job. So keep on doing that. I love all of your, your channel. Um, Ask for Thanks the so much. Yeah, 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 sure. You're welcome. The question, could communism work? Uh, I think we have to go back to the technical definition of communism and understand that it is the end result of socialism. Uh, it, 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 socialism is the process through which once you institute socialism, um, the fullest expression of it is is communism, which is a stateless moneyless society so people need to re- to remember that when we're talking about communism that's literally what you're talking about you're talking about a specific item that has specific characteristics that are definable uh, and identifiable it's not just people sitting in a room sharing it's not sharing it's an actual system of resource uh, distribution and allocation we are all living under systems of resource allocation and distribution that that's what humans have always had in 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 many many different ways because it takes resources to live um and so i like what the previous caller said about uh the basic items like food shelter and clothing i mean not clothing necessarily food shelter and medication and education those items need to be free or cheap because you cannot be a human being on this planet. It is intrinsic to being a human 
to need shelter and food and clothing. You, you cannot live on this planet as a homo sapiens without those things, right? Because, I mean, the prehistoric man in Africa was, I, I can imagine the first like shelter that we created. Uh, the prehistoric man was probably like wandering around in East Africa somewhere. And then they were just walking around and then something fell on top of their head. And then they were like, ooh, what's that? You know what I'm saying? And then they remembered the time before things were falling on top of their head. That time they were like, I like when things don't hit me on the head from the sky. So I'm going to create this thing that's going to protect me. And, and that's, that's shelter, right? That's the idea of shelter is to protect yourself from the elements. And you cannot be a human on this planet without that because you need protection from the elements because you are a singular organism called a homo sapiens who is vulnerable to the elements so literally shelter is inseparable from the condition called being a human being on planet earth and it is absolutely absurd that we charge people for our own condition and our own nature right and that's why I aspire to communism, because there should be no tax for being a human, for literally existing. That's what rent is. Rent is existence mm. tax. Right? Um, and so, so the same with food. Well, I, hopefully I don't have to explain to people why you need food to survive. <laughs> hopefully we're <laughs> not that far down the, the you know... Um, and also, of course, uh, clothing and, and what's the other one? Education and, and healthcare. All those things are intrinsic to being a human, meaning they're inseparable from the idea of life on Earth. And therefore, they should be cheap or free. And capitalism commodifies a lot of those items. And that is criminal to me. And, and people have been going on about uh, individualism and how supposedly communism is going to compromise individuality. And that's just nonsense, because if you look at the bedrock of capitalism and imperialism, if you look at the foundation of those, it's colonialism, slavery, basically some type of exploitation on a mass scale, mm -hmm. right? So I, I don't know how anybody, nobody would argue that when my ancestors in East Africa were colonized by the British, like who is prepared to argue that the British respected African individuality? Honestly, mm. that's absurd. And, and the resource extraction that happened under colonialism in which Africa was raped of its resources for centuries, centuries. And that, that was the bank of capital that was the foundation for modern capitalism. So the very system that is being put on us as, as a respecter of individuality of man is a system that was created by disrespecting the individuality of man, by exploiting man in his environment. The African was existing, we were creating our own civilizations according to our own culture, we had our own religion, we had our own systems, Native indigenous peoples everywhere the white man went had their own ongoing histories. They had their own ongoing civilizations. The white man did not respect the individuality of any of those cultures. 
They just raped and pillaged them and, and, and took the money and created their so-called Western civilization. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look at you, Sabi, and me. I'm Kenyan. You're African-American. We can communicate in English, which is great. But the only reason we can do that is because you was, your ancestors were stolen from Africa and my ancestors were colonized by the same folks. And, you know, they stripped us both of our individualities. And now we're talking in their language. Yep. Right? So, so I don't think you can say that Jim Crow respected the individuality of African-American people. And it's the reason why white Americans have such an advantage in terms of wealth acquisition. Uh, it's because black Americans were literally locked out of wealth creation generationally, right? And, and so we have to be careful about some of these specious arguments that we, we put forth in, in defense of economic systems. The fact of the matter is there is always a kind of resource distribution system in any society. In any society, there's always a resource distribution system. It can be communal or it can be elitist, which is, for example, monarchy or feudalism. Those are elitist systems because they funnel all the resources, the collective resources, back to an elite few. And then the elite few monopolize those resources. And then they justify that monopolization by creating racism and saying, well, Africans are not really human. So it's justifiable for us to rape and pillage them. Right. So I'm like, OK, so you're being barbaric. Right. You're being monstrous and violent and you're raping and pillaging. And we are the uncivilized ones. Mm. So, yeah, back, back to the question at hand. Um, we are socially deprived. We are resource deprived. And that is why the working class it, is at each other's throats. Because we lack access to resources. Because the working class lacks political power. Right? And we don't know how to do politics yet. We're getting there. But we are resource deprived. And resource deprivation, it exacerbates individualism and competition, you know, because if you literally have to fight to live and pay rent, if you have to pay a, an existence tax called rent, you know, you're going to be stressed the fuck out, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're going to be sad on each other because unfortunately, we working class people do not know how to do politics yet. So we, we haven't figured out that we need to click up and and fix the you know the defining characteristics of us as working class people is that we don't control the means of production right and and you control the means of production through political power right and so the superstructure dictates individual outcomes because we are we are resource deprived we live in a superstructure called capitalism it deprives us of resources it contributes to friction, to division, and all the stupid fights that we have amongst each other, whether it's men or women, gays or straights, you know, black and brown. Like, it is this superstructure of capitalism and imperialism that is creating these 
individual rifts because we are resource deprived because we live in capitalism and imperialism that's why we are resource deprived so the superstructure is dictating our individual relationships now capitalism is like a slip and slide for individualism right it's like if if in a capitalist system it's like it exacerbates individualism a socialist system would counter individualism because if you can afford food and if 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 you don't have to pay an existence tax right then you are less tense and you don't have to you know all these debates about you know how much money should you spend on the first date you know how can you spend two hundred dollars on a first like all those stupid debates are debates that people who are resource deprived have because you have to watch every penny but if in if you know that you have health care and that you don't have to pay for health care and that you can afford to pay your rent right on on a on a 30 day uh, i mean on a 30 hour week you should be able to pay your rent on a 30 hour week literally right and college should be free you know all education should be free if we lived in that superstructure that, that that took care of our basic needs then it would change our individuality it would breed solidarity right and comradeship ideally speaking of course right so this idea that socialism and communism would erase individualism is absolute nonsense right so so could communism work in america um well i would say we have gone a little bit too far since First of all, you have to be socialist before you become a communist. Like social, like I said, communism is the end point of socialism. So the real question is, can America be socialist? And I would say, if the working class learns how to do politics, then yeah, absolutely, America can be socialist. But the working class has to grow the fuck up, click up, and learn how to do politics. And that's my final word. Well said there, Davis. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Um, Guys, it is midnight. I hope you guys are going to have uh, a great weekend. I will be signing off. Again, Davis, thank you so much for calling in. And you guys have a really good night.